and in the last three months, I think we've seen so many examples of that. Perhaps none more clear than people saying, you know, there were atrocities committed on October 7th, Hamas committed atrocities, etc., etc. To the extent now that even an intellectual person who understands that there's no proof for that, before he wants to, to criticize Israel, he still has to condemn Hamas, then only he can do that. So that's the power of that principle. But, but I want to talk about another principle that's, that's slightly different. And this principle states that if you repeat the truth, 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 truth without understanding why it's, why it's the truth, truth, you'll begin to treat it as though it's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. So what that means is take an, is take an example. You have a person maybe living in a very modern and secular environment. And when he's young, his parents tell him, you know what, Islam is true. This is the religion we follow. This is the haq. And while he's a, and while he's a child, he repeats, he repeats it because his parents told him that. But he doesn't really know why he's saying it. He's just saying it. And so now, so now when you meet this person 20, person 20 years later, Allah protects us, he's still telling himself, Islam, Islam is true, Islam is true, Islam is true. But when you look at his life, his life is telling you a completely different story. Story. He doesn't story. He doesn't actually believe. believe in any. believe in any of the laws. The laws. He doesn't follow any of the laws. But he's still, he's still repeating to himself, Islam is true. Islam is true. And, and the example I want to talk about today is an example that, inshallah, if we understand it properly, properly, it can bring us closer to our Deen. And that is the statement that we make very often, and Alhamdulillah, we believe, we believe it. But it always helps when we talk about it a little bit more. And that is the statement that our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu is the greatest human being to ever walk the face of the earth, the most amazing leader this world has ever seen, and the greatest personality we can ever, we can ever imagine. That yes, we know it. Yes, we believe it. But sometimes when we look at our, we look at our lives, it tells a little bit of a different story. So we say that statement, but what we really know about the life of our Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam is very, very little. It's very limited. So we say it on the one hand, but our knowledge is telling a different story. Then, then we say it on the one hand, but our daily, weekly, monthly conversations will go by without even mentioning the name of Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So our conversations are telling a different story. Then we'll say it, but our actions are again going contrary to the actions of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, so they're also telling a different, a different story. And sometimes the reason for that is we don't really know and fully understand why we are saying, saying this statement. So I want to spend the rest of this small talk, inshallah, just talking about why, why we say that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the greatest human being to ever walk the face of the earth. And obviously you can't cover it in a small lecture like this. But inshallah, if we just think about some of these points, we'll realize that if we don't fully understand the statement, we're missing out on something huge for our lives. So, if we have to start talking about the life of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, let's just look at it like this, right? Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is born um, um, at a time when many historians consider it to be the worst time in history for many, in many different aspects, right? Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa is born in a society that's steeped in idolatry, idol worship. That's the, that's the society Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa is born in. 
Nabi is born in a society that's filled, filled with evil practices. Nabi is born into an area which doesn't have an empire, doesn't have any central form of governance, is looked at by the rest of the world as being completely, completely backwards. Now, in the space of 23 years, Nabi takes those people and that place and transforms it into a place that's completely free of idol worship, transforms the people into the greatest generation that this Ummah has ever seen, and transforms that area which had no central governing system to an empire that will eventually topple the superpowers of the world in 23 years. Now just like let that sink in. Sometimes we know it as a friend, we know it as but we can't, we're not grasping what that really entails. So I'll give you an example, but it might not do, obviously won't do justice on many aspects. But think about it like this. If one of us here with no political experience, we get involved in the ANC, somehow we become president, then we elected president of the country, and then after that, we do away with all crime, we do away with all drugs, and we make South Africa so strong economically and militarily, where it goes and invades Russia and America and America after that, after that and successfully takes over them. It's, in, it's, not, it's unbelievable. It's a fairy tale. It's something you can't even imagine. Like, I'm talking nonsense if I say that. But Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he did all of that, and he did more than that in 23 years. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in those 23 years, eradicated racism, something that no non-Muslim country can ever claim to have done. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in those... 23 years, remove the alcohol remove the alcohol problem, which is a problem today that's resulting in the deaths of around 2.5 million people worldwide every year. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam removed the tyrannical in, in interest-bearing loan system that was there that has, has destroyed the global south today. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did away with that. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's uh, empire that he created with the, khila- the khulafa coming after him created such a successful economic system, system that if anyone is, stu- anyone is studying economics in, uni- economics in university today, there's no, you can't study it without talking about Adam Smith, who came up with the free market system according to them. Adam Smith himself says that the first time in history the world ever witnessed such economic stability was in the time of the Khulafa Rashidun, such economic stability that allowed scientific developments to occur. This is not what we think. This is what an economist today are telling us this is. This was the impact, impact that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam had on the world. And historians, just take one example, the name is John Draper, an English historian, who said that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was a man out of all men who exercised the greatest influence on human history. And he gives many, many, many different reasons for why he's saying that. So this was the worldwide phenomena that was the life of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that effected change in the world on every single aspect, individually, individually, in the society, economically, at a government level. There was no sphere of life that wasn't, that wasn't touched by the life and the coming of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And if we look, what is the achievements of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? If we look at the character of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that he comes to Medina Munawara, Medina Munawara, after striving for 13 years in Makkah Mukarramah, giving da'wah, trying his best, being rebutted here and there, there, eventually he comes to Medina Munawara, 
He sets up the basis for Islamic State, Islamic economy, Islamic society. And in essence, for all intents and purposes, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa is now like the ruler of Medina, like the king of Medina. But look at the way Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam conducted himself whilst he held this position. We just look through the hadith of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and look at his qualities and characteristics. Our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was someone who was extremely, extremely tolerant. Anas radiallahu anhu says that I served Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam for 10 years. And not once in those 10 years can I recall him telling me, why didn't you do this? We should have done that. Or rebuking me. Or speaking to me harshly. Not once in 10 years. Imagine the quality and characteristics of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was someone who was so humble. Anas Anas radiallahu anhu says that you're walking through Medina. Now remember, this is the most powerful man in Medina. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is walking. And a Bedouin comes up to him, grabs his upper garment and pulls with harshly to the extent that you can see now there's markings on the skin of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam because the man pulled it so harshly. And he tells him that, you know, like you have a lot of money, give me some money. Now imagine it, it evoked pride in a human being if someone lower than him comes and treats him like that. Imagine you on the street and a beggar comes and pushes you and says, give me money. Well, how are you going to react? Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, there's no sign of pride. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he turns to him, he smiles, he tells the sahaba, just give him whatever he wants. Look at the humility of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was someone, someone who was, someone who was very, very down to earth. But the hadith reports that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam never found it beneath himself to walk on the streets with the poor people, see to the needs, try and help them, with the widows, try to help them. Anas radiallahu anhu reports that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa he would visit the sick himself, he would go to the Qabristan, follow the, the beer himself, himself. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa if anyone invited him to a meal, whether it was a poor person, whether it was a slave, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa accepted this invitation, did this invitation. Our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was this, someone that despite Running an, running an empire despite sending Islam to the entire world. When he was at home, Aisha radiallahu He was doing the household chores while he was at home. He would throw his own clothes, he would mend his own shoes, he would milk the animal himself. Look at this personality that we're talking about. Every single aspect. Every, every single aspect of life. We only see perfection. Our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was someone he was extremely just. But once in Medina Munawara, there was a lady by the name of Fatima who had committed a crime on him. And now, now the time had come for the punishment to be executed upon her. And as because she was a prominent person, so her family comes and tries to intercede by Usama bin Zayd radiallahu anh, by Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, saying that, saying that this is a prominent lady, you can't do this to her. It will, you know, it will cause a lot of disgrace, disgrace. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gets angry and he says, But I swear by Allah, Allah, even if the Fatima who committed this crime was, was my own daughter, I would still enact the punishment on her. This is the, this is the, this is the justice of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I'm speaking, I'm speaking, I'm heard of. Anyway, I'll was someone who made everyone around him feel very, very special. But there, was, but, there was, but there was a Bedouin at the time, time of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam whose name was Zahir. Zahir. 
And it wasn't someone who was from the upper echelons of society, you see. It was someone, someone, someone from the lower class of society, not a very rich person, a very rich person. But Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam always had a lot of time for him. But once when he was in the marketplace, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam came up behind him, came up behind him, grabbed, grabbed him, joke, joking, with, joking with him, saying in the marketplace, who will buy this, who will buy this slave from me? As a joke. And this first person with his tawadwal also, he's saying, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, you're not even going to get a high price for me. You know, I'm not worth a lot. But Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam turns to him and tells him, seriously now, that, Lasta bikafidin indallah. But maybe, but maybe in the eyes of society, of society, you're not worth a lot. You're not worth a lot. But in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you are very, very valuable. We said how Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi inspired confidence in every single person of his ummah. Our Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was someone who was extremely, extremely simple. If you look at the food of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, whilst he's living in Medina Munawwara, whilst he's the leader of Medina Munawwara, Aisha radiallahu anha says, but sometimes two months will go past and we won't have any food to, you know, cook on the open fire. We have to drink water, we have to have sajur for two months. The, 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 the houses that Nabi Sallallahu stayed in, stayed in, stayed in, sometimes is smaller than the rooms in our houses. And this was not because Nabi Sallallahu didn't have a choice or it was out of necessity. Nabi Sallallahu in the hadith Abu Umam al-Bahmi narrates that Nabi Sallallahu said, but Allah subhanahu, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala offered to, offered to give me, to, to turn the mountains of Makkah into gold, to give me as much wealth as I wanted. But look at now, look at the role model, the lifestyle Nabi Sassam is showing us, compared to what we see everywhere else, where wealth is, you know, it's the factor that decides whether you, you're worth something or not worth something. Nabi Sallallahu says that I declined this offer and I said, Aju'u yawman wa ashba'u yawman, ashba'u yawman. Rather, I rather may have it such that one day I'm hungry and the other day I eat to my full. So, so when I'm hungry, I can beg you, O oh Allah, I can implore you, Allah, I can remember you and ask for food. And the day when I'm full, then I can thank you, I can show gratitude and I can praise, and I can praise you. Imagine that example being set. Our Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was someone who was extremely physically fit. If you think about it, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam fought in the Battle of Badr at the age of 54. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam traveled to, traveled to Tabuk to fight about 600 kilometers on horse, on horseback, probably a two-week journey, in the blazing sun in the desert, carrying armor, carrying equipment like that, at the age of 62, to fight the Roman Empire at the head of the army. Imagine how physically fit Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Every aspect of life you look at it. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa was someone who was extremely brave. But Dara bin Azib radiallahu anhu says that when the battle was getting tough, he's talking about a specific battle, we would actually hide behind Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa meaning we would, we would form behind Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam using him as a protection because he was going ahead of all of us. That is our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was someone who never acted as though, as though he was someone better than everyone else, although he was. If you look at the Battle of Badr, again, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is 54 years of age, and Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu anhu narrates that the Sahaba radiallahu anhu were going for the Battle of Badr, three people are sharing on one conveyance, on one conveyance. And Abu Lubaba and Ali radiallahu anhu, they are sharing one conveyance with Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. 
and each one of them will ride, the other two will walk, and they'll take turns like that. Now when it comes the time of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to walk, the other two Sahaba, they're much younger than him, they're much younger than him, they tell him, Oh Rasulullah, you know what, we'll walk the whole way, you ride the whole way. Of course, you are the leader, you are the, the Nabi of Allah, you are the greatest human, greatest human being, you ride the whole way. But he Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam turned around and told them, مَا أَنْتُمَا بِأَقْوَى مِنِّي وَمَا أَنَا بِأَغْنَى عَنِ الْأَجْرِ مِنْكُمَا But don't think that you two, that you two, I think that you two are any stronger than me. And don't think that I am any less in need of reward and ajr from the side of Allah than you two. Look at this response from Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. When Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was building the, the Masjid in Medina, it's not that the Sahaba radiallahu anhu are carrying the bricks and doing everything. But he's everything. But he sallallahu himself is taking bricks, carrying it, and building this masjid with the Sahaba, with the Sahaba, with the Sahaba radiallahu anhu. And he's singing an ashid as well. Nabi sallallahu alayhi is singing, Allahumma la khayra illa khayr al-akhirah, faghfir lil-ansara wal-muhajira. Nabi sallallahu is singing as he's doing this, Oh Allah, there's no good besides the good of the akhirah. And so forgive the muhajirin and forgive the ansar. And look at this atmosphere that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, alayhi wa sallam, alayhi wa sallam, alayhi wa sallam, is creating amongst the Sahaba radiallahu anhu. So from every aspect, every aspect that we look at it, whether it's being a husband, whether it's being a, whether it's being a, whether it's being a father, father, whether it's being a head of state, whether it's being a spiritual head, whether it's being a social worker, social worker, whether it's being someone who is a military leader, in every single one of these aspects, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam set such a standard that has never been met in history and will never ever in the future. And non-Muslims themselves, they have recognized this also. They have mentioned that many, many writings, if you read many writings, if you read the book of Michael Hart, he compiled a list of the 100 most successful people ever. And he's a Christian. And number one on this list, he has, list, he has Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he says that from my understanding and my research, there has never been a man in history who was so successful on a religious level and so successful on a political level as that. If you look at someone like Bernard Shaw, someone who is well, not like Islam at all, he himself, look at what he's saying. He says that, I believe, I firmly believe, if Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he's saying if Muhammad, if Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi was to be given the leadership of the modern world, he would solve all of the problems in the modern world. Modern world. That is the understanding that the people who have gone through the life of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa have. This is the conviction that they have in the ability, ability of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa But all of this comes from where? It comes from, number one, understanding why we're saying what we're saying. And number two, going out and learning, finding out about who Nabi sallallahu was. And you'll just be amazed. These are just a few incidents that we mentioned out of so many more that are there in the history book. Now we need to ask ourselves that, number one, if Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa is to us, as we say, our role model and the greatest human being, do we, do, we know, do we know enough about him? Are we talking about him enough? Is it such that we are trying to implement his sunnahs as well as we should implement his sunnahs? And these sunnahs are sunnahs that apply across the board, on an individual level, on an ummah level, on a state level, on an economic level. These are the sunnahs of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa But secondly, and maybe more importantly, we need to realize that when we look at the life of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we should not compartmentalize compart the amazing effect that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had and only 
apply it to an, indi to an individual level. Indeed, when the colonial powers they came to the Muslim world, the end of the 18th century, the beginning of the 19th century, France is going into Egypt, the British, the British are going into India. Then when they, then when they came, unlike, unlike the Soviet Union, we didn't ask the Muslims to become murtad, murtad. We didn't tell them, give up your deen. We didn't tell them, you know what, you need to convert to Christianity now or we're going to kill you. For the most part, what they did was, they said, no, you, you, you remain a Muslim. You can practice your Islam. But you must practice it at home, practice it in the masjid, practice it when you're with your family, practice it all over there. But the running of the state, the running of the economy, the running of the legal system and the courts and all, we'll handle that. But we're not telling you not to become Muslim. You can still be Muslim. That was the message they gave. And it's another whole story, but you know, they, they were very, in that sense, very welcoming. And it seemed like you know, they're being so good outwardly, it appears. In fact, Napoleon, you can read about this, he even claimed to be the Mahdi. Which, uh, it's another whole story on its own. But the point here was that what they did was very, very dangerous for the Muslims. In the sense that they made him believe that your religion and your deen is only for the masjid. It's only for when you're at home. It doesn't have anything to do with the state. And that understanding, that understanding which crept into many, crept into many, many different people's minds, we find that we still have a semblance, have a semblance of that today. So for example, we all want Islam to prosper in South Africa. We're trying our best, inshallah, trying our best, inshallah, for that to happen. But when we, when we want to gauge whether it's prospering or not, we tell ourselves, yes, yes, alhamdulillah, we got our darulums, we got our masajid, we got uh, everything is, is nice. But we don't ever, ever look at the fact that we don't have any control of the way the state is being done. We don't have any control of the economy. We don't have any control of all those things. So we have the haq in the Quran and the hadith and the sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But we say, no, we'll just live here. It's okay. The, the, the kufar and the disbelievers, they can run the whole state. That's a product of a colonized mind. A second way we can look at it, how, how we show signs of being colonized, is we are extremely afraid to expose our Islam to secular thinking because we said we're going to get influence. Influence. Whereas at the time, whereas at the time of Nabi Sallallahu the fear of every disbeliever was, no one must hear about Islam because it's so true and it's so obviously hard, everyone will, will, will accept it. Everyone will get influenced, will get influenced by it. But now, we're so scared of influencing people with our Islam, we're more worried about them influencing us with, influencing us with their secular mindset. Number two, it's another very colonized way of thinking. And number three, is that when we mention the Sunnah of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, very few things come to our mind. But certain things, let alone practicing on it, we don't even consider it to be a Sunnah of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The greatest sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, one of the greatest sunnahs is what? That you're living in a land, you spread Islam to Islam throughout that entire land. You give da'wah to everyone living there. That's one of the greatest sunnahs of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But when we talk about implementing in the sunnah, sometimes it doesn't come to mind. One of the greatest sunnahs of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is uniting all of the Muslims under one body, under one central governing system. But sometimes you don't think about that. One of the greatest sunnahs of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is having, is having a military that's fully functional and up to date, that's technologically advanced. It's a sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. A sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is ensuring that we have an intelligentsia, uh, an intelligent system. That is a sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. A sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is ensuring that you can provide an economy for the people that's not or not already, that doesn't have high barriers to entry. When Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam went to Medina, he set up his own marketplace away from the marketplace of the Jews and the polytheists 
show the Muslims could control what was happening. There is a Sunnah of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. A Sunnah of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is to have the spirit and mindset that Islam, Islam must spread, Islam will spread, will spread, Islam will dominate and Islam will not be dominated. That is a great, that is a great Sunnah of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And when you see these Sunnahs disappearing from the Muslim world, the, the Sunnah of Jihad, the Sunnah of military capability, the Sunnah of a central government system. When you witness, and Allah protect our Muslims around the world, you witness massacres happening, and let us not have, and let us not have a short memory ever since that happened, whether it was in Britain in 1857, whether it was in Algeria in 1945, whether it was in Iraq, whether it was in Afghanistan, we witness, and whether it's in Palestine or Gaza today, Allah protect our brothers and sisters. We witness massacres happening over and over again, and we are absolutely, you know, we feel incapable, we feel in, in, unable to do anything about it. And the only way that we are going to change this in the future and make sure that Islam becomes dominant again is if we understand that as an ummah, we have great, amazing potential that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has kept in every single one of us. But if the Muslims in South Africa decide today that in 50 years, in 20 years, we want to make South Africa a Muslim country, I can assure you it's almost definitely likely to happen by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If all, if all the Muslims in the, in the world have to decide today, we are going to drop the Zionist entity of Israel, it will happen by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The only thing that's stopping this from happening is our own self-limiting belief. What's a self-limiting belief? Belief, to take an example, when a lion is attacking a, a, a whole group of wildebeest, and it takes one of the wildebeest and is eating it, and all of its uh, relatives, if you can call it that, are watching, watching their friend being eaten as though they are helpless, as though they can't do anything. But if all 30, 40, 50 of them got together and said, it's one lion, and said, it's one lion, we can easily trample him like nothing. They do it without, you know, it wouldn't be any issue for them. The only thing that's holding them back is a self-limiting belief that we can't do. And that again is an issue that we have. But when Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, one of the greatest sunnahs he, he, he gave, gave, the gift that he gave for Ummah was this issue and this, uh, this gift of belief, of understanding that we as Muslims, we go around and we teach other people how to live. We can teach us how to live. That we as Muslims, we have the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which should be spreading throughout the entire, entire world. Just understanding that Islam is a way of life that is unifying and it's an expansionist way of life also. And the truth of the matter is such that, as you know from the hadith, before the end of time, Islam will become dominant again. There's no doubt about that. And it's our choice now whether we want to be part of that revival, whether we want to harness all of, all of this potential that we have sitting right here and around the Muslim world to make Islam dominant again, or whether we just want to play a sideline role in this whole issue. If you look at it around the world, the powers that be are trying to snuff out the light of Iman from the entire world. The least we can do, do if we can't stop them, is we can spread the light of Islam throughout this land that we live in. Imagine how easy it is for us that we are allowed to proselytize openly. Alhamdulillah, we have so many Muslims here, Muslims here, Muslims here. Alhamdulillah, the local community is very, is very receptive to Islam. The only thing that's stopping Islam from spreading now in this country is Asawata. So, my message is this. Let us, let us look at the Sunnah of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in a holistic way. Let us look at the Sunnah of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam 
as a sunnah that can change our can change our lives and the lives of the people of the entire world. Let us harness this, let us implement it in our lives. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for Tawfiq wa Akhari Jamala.
الحمد لله القائل يا أيها الذين آمنوا دخلوا في السلم كافرة ولا تتبعوا خطوات الشيطان إنه لكم عدو مبين ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وإلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن سيدنا ومولانا محمدا عبده ورسوله الذي أرسل إلى الناس كافة بشيرا ونذيرا وداعيا إلى الله بإذنه وسراجا منيرا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا أما بعد فيا أيها الناس وحد الله فإن التوحيد رأس الطاعات واتقوا الله فإن التقوى ملاك الحسنات وعليكم بالسنة بالسنة فإن السنة تهدي السنة تهدي إلى الإطاعة ومن أطاع الله ورسوله فقد رشد واهتدى قال الله تبارك وتعالى أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم قيم قيم قل إن كنتم تحبون الله فاتبعوني يحببكم الله ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم والله والله غفور رحيم وقال النبي قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم لا يؤمن أحدكم حتى يكون تبعا لما جئت به أو كما قال عليه الصلاة عليه الصلاة والسلام بارك الله بارك الله لنا ولكم في القرآن العظيم ونفعنا وإياكم بالآيات والذكر الحكيم أستغفر الله لي ولكم ولسائر المسلمين فاستغفروه إنه هو الغفور الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله القائل والسابقون الاولون الاولون من المهولون من المهولون من المهاجرين والانصار والذين اتبعوهم باحسان رضي الله عنهم ورضوا عنه واعد لهم جنات تجري تحتها الانهار خالدين فيها ابدا ذلك الفوز العظيم ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد ان نشهد ان نشهد ان سيدنا ومولانا محمدا عبده ورسوله أرسله بالحق بشيرا ونذيرا بين يدي الساعة من يطيع الله ورسوله فقد رشد ومن يعصهما فإنه لا يضر إلا نفسه ولا يضر الله شيئا أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم محمد رسول الله والذين معه وشداء على الكفار رحماء بينهم تراهم ركعا سجدا يبتغون فضلا من الله ورضوانا الله ورضوانا سيماهم في وجوههم من أثر من أثر السجود السجود ذلك مثلهم في التوراة ومثلهم في الإنجيل كزرع أخرج شطأه فآزره فاستغلظ فاستوى على سوقه يعجب عجب الزراع ليغيظ بهم الكفار وعد الله الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات لحات منهم مغفرة وأجرة وأجرا عظيما قال الله تبارك وتعالى إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا نبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليموا تسليما 
اللهم اللهم صل على سيدنا ومولانا محمد وآله وصحبه وبارك فيه وبارك وسلم كما تحب وترضى عدد ما تحب وترضى وقال عليه الصلاة والسلام الله الله في أصحابي لا تتحابي لا تتخذوهم غرضا من بعدي فمن أحبهم فبحبي أحبهم ومن أبغضهم فببغضي أبغضهم وخير أمتي قرني ثم الذين يلونهم ثم الذين يلونهم اللهم أعز الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم انصر الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم انصر المجاهدين في فلسطين اللهم حذب المسجد المسجد الأقصى واجعله شامخا إلى يوم الدين اللهم أعز الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم إنا نسألك العفو والعافية والمعافاة المعافاة المعافاة الدائمة في الدين والدنيا والآخرة والفوز بالجنة والنجاة من النار ربنا آتنا ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار عباد الله رحمكم الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون لعلكم تذكرون وقال تعالى فاذكروني أذكركم واشكروا لي ولا تكفرون Kindly sit in the soft, filling all the gaps, stir the garments above our ankles, and teach our home. الله أكبر الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط صراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين والضحى والليل إذا سجى ما دعك ربك ربك وما قلى وللآخرة خير لك من الأولى ولسوف سوف سوف يعطيك ربك فترضى ألم يجدك يتيما فآوى ووجدك ضالا فهدى ووجدك عائلا فأغنى فأما اليتيم فلا تقهر وأما السائل فلا تنهر وأما بنعمة ربك فحدث الله أكبر
الله لمن حمده لمن حمده الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك إياك نستعين إهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين ألم نشرح لك صدرك ووضعنا عنك وزرك الذي أنقض ظهرك ورفعنا لك ذكرك فإن مع العسر يسرا إن مع العسر يسرا فإذا فرغت فانصب وإلى ربك فرغب الله أكبر الله لمن حمده الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر السلام عليكم ورحمة الله السلام عليكم ورحمة الله لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له له الملك وله الحمد وهو على كل شيء قدير اللهم لا مانع لما أعطيت ولا معطي لما منعت ولا ينفع ذنجل المتنجل رضي الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم لما هو أهلك اللهم أعنا على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين واجعلنا للمتقين إماما ربنا تقبل منا إنك أنت السميع العليم وتب علينا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم وصلى الله على النبي الأمي محمد